0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. It is our privilege to have with us today Dr. Matt Williams. Dr. Williams has served as a youth pastor, associate pastor, school administrator, executive pastor. Uh, he's been very involved in ministry. He's actually been involved in ministry for 50 years. Uh, I Read a book that he had written about 30 years ago when I was a youth pastor titled How to Be a Team Player and Enjoy It. Found it to be very helpful, beneficial. So uh, last year I reached out to him and asked if I could order that for our leadership staff, for our pastors and administrators, and we worked through that. And in the course of our discussions, I asked about him possibly coming and helping us with in-service, and so he joined us for Tri-City Christian Academy in-service on Friday. He will be doing a number of sessions tomorrow for our all-staff in-service, and then on Tuesday also doing in-service for our college and seminary, for International Baptist College and Seminary. So we're putting him to work while he's here, Uh, but he's also done a number of things on developing a biblical worldview and how vital that is, and particularly in our culture. There was a time when in America there was a basic Judeo-Christian foundation, Uh, but we are moved far from that. And the importance of making sure that we think as Christians, and looking at things through a a biblical lens. He's been very involved in Christian education. Uh, I've known him for many, many years. When I was in Maine, he did a a youth leadership conference for us and then also with the New England Association of Christian Schools spoke for us on, on different occasions. I've appreciated his ministry and his friendship, the practicality of presenting the word where we can understand it. And so I'm looking forward to him being with us both this morning and this evening and covering the areas of biblical worldview. Trust that you will be receptive to God's Word as Dr. Williams delivers it.
1: Thank you. you. Well, it is a blessing to uh, be here. I come from Tri-City Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri, actually. And on the pastoral staff there, I volunteer my time these days as edification pastor. As I am gone a, a fair amount of time, but a uh, blessing to be with you. I've been uh, here on a few occasions before, but it's a privilege and, and really an honor to be able to uh, speak to you today. should have a handout in your bulletin, I believe, if you want to go ahead and take some notes, and the title of it is actually, uh, well, we're going to start with a little introduction by becoming the leaders that God intended us to be. We do call this a biblical worldview Sunday. I was at a church not too long ago. I was actually going to be speaking at a camp in Wisconsin that week, and I was at a church that Sunday. And during the uh, Sunday school hour, I I asked, uh, what's worldview? And someone uh, said, that's how you view the world. And I thought, that's a pretty good definition, actually. Uh, but what we're talking about is having a biblical worldview, as Pastor already mentioned, to be able to look at life through the lens of what God's Word says about life and living. And I know why that's why you're here this morning, and uh, I love to be in uh, uh, churches with good, faithful folks that, that are there Sunday after Sunday. So that's really what we're going to be uh, seeking to, to do. So I want to put up just an introduction here. Uh, become Becoming the leaders, I've had the privilege of speaking on uh, leadership, really have done study on leadership for a number of years now. Started out doing that with teens, and uh, actually for the American Association of Christian Schools I've headed up what's called student leadership conferences for well over 30 years now, that we do those around the country, and uh, that is actually... Uh, gone now. It's uh, into a ministry that I call Elevate, which I call my Second Timothy 2-2 ministry. It's still student leadership conferences, but I. I uh, Second Timothy 2.2 says uh, to commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also and spend a lot of time working with uh, various uh, ministries working with leadership in ministries and so forth as well as doing the teens I had the privilege of being involved I'll say a little bit more about that tonight of our own Christian school associations as well as the pastoral staff there in Kansas City but let's look just as an intro today what faces us as believers today and what faces our churches today. There were four statements that I heard, probably been about seven years ago now, and I knew these statements, and yet in a message that I heard, it, it really wasn't the main point of the message, but it just really uh, hit me once again. And what was a real burden of mine before has become a passion of mine. Uh, I And let me just uh give them to you here we you don't have to necessarily take notes on this it's not in your notes but first of all uh, i think what faces the believer we live in a world of opposing values don't think we have to spend much time there that all around us there's opposing values and here's the thing that's a challenge that we live in a world with a very aggressive strategy telling us telling our children Even for many of us telling our grandchildren, this is what you should be. This is how you can succeed in life. And on and on it goes. But the problem is that so often it's totally contrary to what God's word says. And here we are as believers and we're seeking to be what God would have us to be. So the third statement was that we either adopt the values of the world or we reject them. And then that fourth statement that has become my passion, that in order to reject the world's values, we must be equally aggressive with God's plan. And that's really what I'm here to try to encourage us and challenge us. You're a good Bible-believing church. You hear wonderful messages and get great teaching, and I could go on and on with that. I'm very familiar with your ministry. I'm in the same type of ministry. I'm very thankful for that. But we, real, we have to realize that individually and as couples and as families that we have to be more aggressive as the world gets more aggressive with what is God's plan. So two principles that I'm going to actually share today. One this morning, and they're just principles from God's Word. And then the second one we'll share tonight I've got three that I'll just list here, but we'll hit on two of them today. The first principle was this. We are to let our purpose prioritize our life. And I would have to say, maybe like never before. What should that look like? How can I do that as the world just becomes more and more aggressive with trying to put all these things upon us? And not even to just tolerated, but we must accept it. And be involved in it or else, uh, according to, many times, leadership around us. And just a couple of passages here, Proverbs 3, we're familiar with this, many of us. What does it say? To trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And not to lean on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll direct our path. And then it even says, don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. And that's the key, isn't it? There's not much fear of the Lord around today. A reverence and a trust in God because we reverence him so much. And what he says is what we're going to really seek to follow. We're going to look at Romans 12 in just a moment here. But that's life principle number one. Tonight we're going to look at life principle number two. To be different. You know, the word different means distinct. It means unlike most others. A lot of times you see someone and maybe they might even be referred to as hey they're a little different. And we sometimes think of that as whether they're a little odd. But really, if you would Google or for some of us even use the dictionary and look up the word different, it means distinct. It means unlike most others. And you know what? If we're different the way that God wants us to be different, we'll be distinct. And to some people, yeah, we will be a little odd. We will be strange compared to their lifestyle or what they're seeking as priorities in their life. We'll look tonight at a, at a couple of passages of Scripture on that. And then a, a third life principle that I just uh, actually have have uh, written a book on each one of these. I'll say a little bit more about that uh, towards the end this morning. But to let your purpose clarify your choices you know every day we make all kinds of choices and yet our purpose in life and that's what we're going to look at this morning what is our purpose so now we get into your notes if you're going to be taking notes here but here's the question that I need to ask myself here's the question that I think each one of us need to ask this morning here we are we're at church probably you've been faithful maybe even all summer depending on the heat well, we've had a lot of heat in Kansas City, but it's at a new level when I got here uh, Thursday night on. It was nice to have the clouds this morning. And uh, I told my wife, I mean, we've been to Arizona before, but uh, it was a great reminder that, yeah, we had 100 degrees in Kansas City, but our hundred's a little different than your 100. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, do we have a biblical focus? And I want us to turn to the book of Romans this morning very familiar passage uh, many of you could probably even quote this particular passage but it's a great passage of scripture let's go ahead and look at it Romans chapter 12 verse number 1 it says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's once again go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a joy to be here this morning. Thankful for these good folks, faithful folks. Here we are, it's the Lord's Day, and really seeking to uh, learn, to grow, to fellowship with one another. And it's most important to worship you. And so, Lord, we're thankful for the word of God that has been given to us. And, Lord, I pray that we might be open and we might be receptive. We might be attentive to what you would have for us through your word this morning. Even as we look at, do I have a biblical focus? And these four distinctives that are given to us in Romans chapter 12. Well, thank you for what's done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've ever studied the book of Romans, it's divided into two sections. First of all, you have Romans 1 through 11. And that's what we often call the doctrinal part. Great doctrine. And I'll share a little bit of my testimony uh, in just a few minutes here. But uh, when I really got into the Bible, and it wasn't until I was actually just beginning to get into the Bible... When I was uh, in Vietnam uh, back in the early '70s, and uh, that's when I grew up in church. I grew up going to mass with my mom every Sunday morning. She liked that 6 a.m. one, and so we were up early. My sister, my mom, and I. My dad didn't go to church, and uh, and so we went to church. We were faithful at church, but uh, I didn't. We didn't have a Bible. I really didn't know much about the Bible. We had catechism classes. We had religion classes. I knew a lot about the church, elementary school and high school, going to parochial school, but I really didn't know anything about God's Word. But as I began to study it, even there in Vietnam, I was on this, uh, I heard about this, uh, it was called a topical memory system by the navigators. And uh, and they had these verses that you'd memorize, and so here I was, I was reading, I was memorizing some verses in the Book of Romans, Romans three twenty three. Many of us are familiar with it. What does it say? For all have sinned and come what short of the glory of God. And what does Romans six twenty three say? For the wages of those sins, what we earn because of our sin, is death, spiritual death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ and so great doctrine is given to us in romans chapters 1 through 11 and it really shares with us what we believe those foundational doctrines of our christian faith but then starting right here in romans chapter 12 and for the remainder of the book 12 uh, chapters 12 through 16 it's it switches And it even begins, it says, I beseech you therefore. And whenever there's a therefore, you have to what? Look before. Because of Romans 1 through 11, it says now, I beseech you. I urge you. We might even say, I beg of you. Because of Romans 1 through 11, those great doctrines to present ourselves back to God. Now it's going from what we believe what should our behavior be because of what we believe. And this is where we are right here at that second division in the book of Romans. And let's just uh, look at it here. I want to give you what I call four characteristics of distinction that I believe in order to have a biblical focus for living. You know, if we would look back last week, did we really have a biblical focus Oh, we were probably in church last Sunday. That's great. Hopefully we had time in God's word and devotions this week. That's excellent. We definitely need that. Especially if we're going to be more aggressive, we can't just count on church alone. But if we're going to be more aggressive with God's plan, we really need to have a biblical focus in the choices that we make each and every day. So, let's look and see what it says here. Let me give you these four characteristics. What should Christian leaders have? By the way, I learned years ago when I began to study leadership, let me just mention that first of all, every person is a leader. The reason I use the word leader because I learned early when I began to study leadership, every person is a leader. Why? Because every person has influence in the lives of other people. And that's what leadership is so you could google leadership and it means providing direction or guidance but there's always that one definite one word definition and that's that word influence and every one of us have influence in the lives of other people probably much greater influence than we even realize i was just mentioning that to the teachers on friday the other day i'm certain of that we have no idea the influence that we can have in the people's lives that we come in contact with many of them every day but even total strangers that we might be able to even have influence from a first impression so uh leadership everybody's an everybody's a leader but then what i learned and this got me excited i was a brand new christian at the time and i was trying to be a leader i was working with some teenagers as a young christian ended up in this had, with some responsibilities of of heading up a, a bible club in a in a public school where where my uh, my first of all fiance soon to be wife was teaching, and I began to learn that there were four types of leadership first of all, there's positional that's when you have a title and we have we all have our titles you know i'm a husband i'm a dad i'm a i'm a I'm a, I'm a grandpa I have five children uh, and they're all uh, married and out in life and ministry. We have 19 grandchildren. In fact, just 26 of the 32 of us were just together last week for a few days. The Lake of the Ozarks, I actually had to leave a little bit early, get in here for Friday. They came home on Friday. My son, who's a pastor in Canada, wasn't able to, he and his family weren't able to be uh, down, but everybody else, the other four kids, two from Minnesota, two from uh, Missouri, and their families were there with us. But I'm, I'm a papa. And I heard that word a lot this week from, from grandkids, from 19 years old to 2 years old. They hey, cover the gamut in there. But uh, as a leader, positional leadership. Secondly, personality leadership. That's when someone likes being around you. By the way, just because we have a title doesn't mean we're the best kind of leader. And just because personality leadership, and we've all seen that, when someone likes being around somebody else, and you can tell, man, I could have great influence. But just because they like being around us doesn't mean we're going to be the best kind of leader. There's a third type, competence leadership. Competence leadership is when we use our gifts and abilities, and we all have them, and we're to develop those, and we're to use those for God's glory. But that's the third type. But again, just because we have abilities doesn't mean we're doing them to the glory of God. and doesn't mean we're, we're doing them, uh, that, that, that we're using them to be the, the best that we possibly could. But then there's that fourth type, and it got me pretty excited as a young Christian. And even the secular world was saying that the best type of leadership is character or example Leadership. And I was a young Christian at the time, but I remembered a verse that I had already learned, 1 Timothy 4.12. And it says, Let no man despise or look down upon your youth, your youthfulness. It was actually written to Timothy. He wasn't a teenager. He was actually, I believe, in his 30s when it was written to him. But it says, Be an example of the believer in your word, what you say, in your conversation, at your manner of life. your love, your spirit, your faith, your purity. Wow. Just that verse alone. And I thought to myself, you know, it doesn't take ability to be the best kind of leader. It just takes availability and most important obedience to be the best kind of leader. And I got pretty pumped about that as a young Christian because I didn't feel like I had much ability. I had a heart. And I wanted to serve my God, and I wanted to try to be an influence, but I didn't have much as far as ability. And uh, but wow, I could seek to be the best kind of leader by just seeking to be available and obedient. With that in mind, let's look at these four characteristics. Now, first of all, it's right down in your notes if you're taking notes. There we have a different goal. Different goal, and then you've got a quotation mark, and I want you to write that word down: present, because that's what it says in Romans 12:1. That I beseech you, I urge you, because of the doctrine in Romans one through eleven, to present yourselves back to God, and what does it say? As a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God and it says which is your reasonable service because of what God did for us he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and Jesus Christ became obedient unto death on the cross for the sins of mankind now we know that doctrine but do we have that different goal see it's to become like Christ versus just become like everybody else just kind of fit in to the world around us and adapt to the philosophy and adapt to the aggressive strategy that it has that as a believer we have a brand new goal and it's to present ourselves back to God as a living sacrifice what does it say in Romans eight twenty eight twenty nine? 28 29 and verse 29 it says we're to be conformed to the image of his son wow very important scripture we're to be conformed to the image of his son isaiah chapter 43 verses 1 through 7 great passage to read won't take the time to do it but you've got it in your notes there god said i have created him for my glory he's created us for that reason most of us are familiar with the. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, I kind of hate to use it, but it's not quite lunchtime yet, but we know the verse, don't we? Whether therefore you eat or drink, or what? Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's our goal. To bring glory to God, to grow into Christ likeness, seek to become more and more Christ like in our life. That's really what we're seeking to do. Now, you've got a little bit of room there if you're taking notes, and let me give you what would be the average goals. And I'll just give you four words here, and you can put them down. But if you'd look around, you know, even if we'd go out and uh, uh, take a survey of folks, I don't know how many folks would be out this time of morning, but it is a little bit more overcast today. There might be a few more out than, uh, than the average. But if we'd ask them, hey, what's your goal? in life. What's success in life? You might not exactly hear these words but I think they would be referred to in what they would talk about. And let me just give you the first one. I think the average goal of the average person in our society today first of all, prosperity. Prosperity. What's that? Hey, just get rich. Have a lot of a lot of riches you can normally see that i don't know how it is here probably the same but man by going into a convenience store and somebody's in there in front of me many times last thing that they do when they throw their money out or their charge card in and they want to they want to get what a lottery ticket with whatever else they're getting and sometimes they even scratch it off right there and take the time you can't even get around them they get up to the register because they want to win the big one prosperity now again nothing wrong with money the bible doesn't say that money is wrong but it does say the love of money is wrong if that becomes our number one goal in fact a great passage of scripture you could write it down by prosperity get rich you could even put down things uh if we really want to get into the you know uh today people just like having a lot of stuff new stuff the latest technology that's out there and wow the fastest speed and all of these things that we could have interesting i see these commercials but the cars on the advertising vehicles on tv they're always off the road not on the road you ever notice that I mean, they're, they're you know that men They're driving up mountains, and they're going. I mean, they're crossing rivers. They're going up, but Nobody's just on a road going down there. And you got to have your vehicle to do that. But things. And here's what it says: Matthew six. Put down this if you just want to write down. What does it say? Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? They can be destroyed. They can be stolen but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, focus on the eternal versus the earthly. But that's the average goal of a lot of people, just to prosper, and that means things, the latest, the best, the most expensive, on and on it goes. Let me give you another one, popularity. Now, a lot of times we try to blame this on, on the teens you know the peer pressure and they want to be on the in crowd and everything and they want people to like them but you know it doesn't stop at age 20 all of us want to be liked by other people have you ever found yourself doing something that and asked why am i even doing this it's because someone else wanted me to and i could look better in their eyes if i did this and sometimes hmm, should i even be doing this See, popularity. We want to be liked, and there's nothing wrong with being liked, but that's not our number one goal. Our number one goal we're here to glorify God. We're to grow into likeness, and if people will appreciate us and respect us for that, wonderful. But if not, you know, we're going to seek to be what we can be and, and, and do what we can, not only for God but for other people, but uh, popularity. Let me put down a verse. Uh, write this down, Galatians 1.10 love this verse it says for do i now persuade men or god or do i seek to please men for if i yet please men, i'm really not the servant of christ wow galatians 110 write that one down man when i saw that verse a few years back it just jumped off the page i had read it before but it just really came wow who am i really serving today who am I out to please? Am I really out to please and present myself back to my God or do I find myself just trying to please everybody else? Now again, we need to be people of good as we trust in the Lord. Psalm 37 says, do good, you know, and, and keep trusting and, and to dwell there doing good. Feed on God's faithfulness. On and on we could go there, but a very important part, So you got Prosperity. Very important goal for a lot of people. Popularity, very important goal. Oh, here's a big one. Power. Power. Want to be in control. Want to be in charge. In other words, I want my way. And we live in a society bent on my way. My rights. I deserve, I demand my rights. And yet, you know what? The Bible says, let me give you another passage. Mark chapter 10, we're going to actually look at it tonight. Verses 42 through 45, where Christ says, Disciples, you want to be great? Be a humble servant who sacrifices himself for the needs of other people. And for those who are actually the, the leadership, it's even more than a humble servant. You need to be a bond servant.'" That's someone who has no rights of his own and only obeys the wishes of his master. Wow, that's a tall order. But see, power, being in charge. As Pastor mentioned, my wife and I, we just celebrated, actually, we just celebrated 50 years. Well, last year was our year of 50s uh, because it was 50 years ago, uh, not this past December, but a year ago, December, that I put my faith and trust in Christ when I was 24 years old. And then it was that February after that, that we ended up getting married. And uh, so we had our 50th anniversary this past year. And then just this past December, so a year after I was saved, I was already out of school. I was actually in a management program uh, for J.C. Penney Company. Had big aspirations of being a, a store manager, maybe a district manager someday. Was all excited about sales gains and all those kind of things. Had a business degree in my hip pocket and I was trying to do what I could to, to succeed in the, in the corporate world there. And then when I trusted Christ as Savior and when we started working with teenagers, I just fell in love with working with teens. And I wanted to influence I wanted to be able to share with them what no one had ever shared with me of all these years of religion. And, uh, and so uh, God clearly showed me through his word, even though I was still a young Christian, that for me, he wanted me to uh, be in full-time Christian work. And so I actually, we got some counsel, definitely showed me through his word. My wife and I prayed about it. And I ended up starting, uh, we had a building, didn't have a salary, our church was a young church at the time. And we got some input from our pastor and he said, look, uh, in fact, this Christian organization wanted me to come on staff. And we wanted to get some input about this parachurch organization. And he didn't say not to do it, but he just said, you know, we got this building down there. And I mean, it was right down the street from where my wife taught at this public junior high school. And it was vacant. We had already moved to another location. I'd grown that. He said, I've, and we were right down around the corner from the public high school. And he said, I've often thought about having a Christian teen center here. And he said, I don't have a salary for you, but we've got a building. So if you want the building, it's yours. And we prayed about it, and that's what we did. And so that was 50 years ago that we started the Christian teen center. And then from that, ended up becoming church staff and I was on staff 34 years and the Lord uprooted us sent us up to uh, uh, northern Wisconsin to a place called Northern Baptist Bible College for 8 years and then came back in uh, 2012 and I'm on my second time around at Tri-City uh, 34 years and then now have uh, been back for a uh, little uh, just uh, close to 10 years now uh, since we've uh, been back there but here's the purpose and what happened with all of this because see there was someone that influenced me because she had a different goal Mention I grew up uh, attending parochial schools grew up with uh, uh, you know having religion classes and all that and uh, so elementary school in fact in elementary school everyday we would go to mass at 8 o'clock start school at 9 o'clock so from kindergarten through 8th grade I actually went to church 6 days a week Monday through Friday with my school and then on Sunday with my mom at that 6 a.m. mass, normally. Uh, that's what we would go to, my sister and her and I. And then, uh, I ended up going off to a secular university. I don't really recommend my alma mater. There sure wasn't much for God going on there, but I got there and I went to church every week. One of the few guys in my dorms that actually got up and went to church on Sunday morning and uh, I did that faithfully while I was there, but it was when I was a junior. So I'm in my third year now of college in a place, like I said, not much going on for God there. And I met someone who I like to say was different on purpose. We're on a committee together. And I could tell just when I first met her, there was something distinct about this gal. She just seemed to be different seemed to have a purpose to her life. It didn't seem like she was just trying to fit in and how popular could she be. And and she was a freshman, so she hadn't been there very long. But I'm on this committee with her. And then as I got to know her a little bit, one night I'm asking her, uh, what's your major here at college? She said, I'm a math major. major. She said, I want to teach high school math. And here's where the purpose came in she said because I want to influence teenagers for Jesus Christ now she hadn't grown up in a Christian home she'd gotten saved through a, a Bible Club after school when she was uh, in, a, in high school and so that became her Christian family for a little bit the church that they attended and they didn't attend regularly but the church didn't preach the gospel uh, finally, by her senior year, her folks let her start attending a Bible-believing church on her own. Many of her friends went off to a Christian college, but uh, her folks weren't really into that, so she ended up at this secular university. But she had that same purpose. She wanted to glorify God. She wanted to grow in likeness. And she let others know about it. And so I'll probably say a little bit more about that this evening. But, Wow. You know what she did? As she was salt and light, not only to me, but many others. Uh, She created a thirst. And I really wanted what she had. And she would share her testimony with me, how she has, the way she put it, given her life to Jesus Christ. And I thought, wow, I've had all this religion, but I don't have that kind of a commitment. But she pointed me to the Word of God, And it took a little while for me to get into it, but it was really after college that I got into it, and especially when I was drafted into the Army six months into working with J.C. Penney, and then I got drafted, ended up in Vietnam, and it was there on guard duty. I didn't do it in front of others, but on guard duty once a week, out there from 6 at night to 6 in the morning. I'd be out there sometimes with my flashlight, reading my Bible. Oh, yeah, I I was being on guard duty too, but wasn't too much going on there at this compound and I was memorizing those scriptures and what ended up happening as a result came back from there had already determined I was going to start going to a Bible believing church and here was a little church that had just begun and back then it was called Bethel Baptist it's now Tri-City Baptist Church which is the one that I'm on the pastoral staff of and some of you might have already figured out the story but guess what I ended up marrying that gal who influenced my life. Her name is Donna. She's definitely uh, my helpmate, and she loves the Lord, and uh, she loves people. She loves ministry to other people and loves God's Word, uh, and she's very involved in what's called Bible Study Fellowship in the Kansas City area besides very involved in everything at our church. And uh, I'm thankful that someone, see, because they had a different goal. They just didn't try to fit in. It wasn't just, all right, I'm going to try to have prosperity or try to have popularity or try to have power. And then there's that fourth one I took a little time with that. And that's pleasure. And don't we live in a society of pleasure today? In fact, a lot of people, they wouldn't even think of church on Sunday because their pleasure is out doing whatever activities that they're involved in. So, all of that for a different goal. We've got to move and move quickly here. Let's go to a different authority. That's the second distinction that we have. See, it says in Romans 12... Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's our authority. See, it's God's word versus my reasoning. By that word authority, I want you to, where it's got the quotation marks, put down two words. Renew mind, because that's what we're to do. We're to be renewing our mind. That's what we do here at church. We come to worship God, but we're also renewing our mind from the scriptures. Whether it's in your, your uh, classes that are coming up, or whether it's in uh, the worship service as we get into God's word, but the most important thing that we do is give the, the, the doctrine and renewing our mind. 2 Timothy 3, many of us are familiar with it. What does it say in verse 16? All Scripture is given, what? By inspiration of God. Written by men, but inspired of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. It teaches us. For reproof, it shows us what we're wrong. For correction, how to make wrongs right. And for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect or mature, complete. And see, that's what we're to do. That the man of God may be complete. Second Peter one four says that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. So important for us to consider that now we think about a different authority remember a few years ago it was a sunday morning like this and for some reason we didn't have all of our classes together we had a combined adult sunday school for some reason that morning i don't even remember what i was teaching on but i was the one doing the teaching for all of our adults and after the class this lady came up she was visiting our church i'd never met her before and she introduced herself and she said I'm a teacher at a place called Grain Valley, it's about 20 minutes from our church. It used to be out in the sticks, but now it's kind of kind of a suburb of Kansas City. And she said I'm a teacher there and I teach a class called family living and I have guest speakers in from time to time. And I was wondering would you be available sometime this week to come and speak to my class. And I said, "Well, sure, I I'd, I'd be more than happy to." Uh, I said, and uh, she said, well, I'd love to have you come. And uh, so we talked about a time and this kind of thing. I even mentioned to her, I said, well, I, actually, I, when I was youth pastor uh, some years back, I, I was in the public school quite a bit. But I said, nowadays, I'm in a lot of Christian schools, but I really haven't spoken in a public school in a while. Uh, and because uh, I said I would want to use the Word of God if I spoke. And she said, that's what I want you to do. But then she kind of threw me a curve. Said, I want you to come and speak on divorce and remarriage. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, that really wouldn't have been my topic. I would have thought, you know, there could have been something that could have been a little more helpful to them. But I said, okay, that's what you want, but I'll need to use the Bible. She said, I'll need to give a little disclaimer at the beginning of class. Let them know you're going to use the Bible. And if they want to uh, uh, not to hear the Bible, they can go to the library and it won't jeopardize their grade. She said, we have a lot of interaction in this class. And she said, most of them will stay. Uh, and so, uh, great. She told me 1030, I think, is was going to be the class. So all week long, I'm praying about this and having other people pray uh, as I go here and speak on divorce and remarriage at this school. And uh, I, class was at 10.30, but I got there about 8.20. Now, I wouldn't get away with this today, I'm sure, as some security guard would have thrown me out. But back in those days, I mean, I, I just kind of, I wanted to see what it would be like to be a student at Green Valley High School. So I got there early. I'm just kind of walking up and down the halls acting like I know what I'm doing. I peeked in the auditorium to see if they were set up for chapel at 10 o'clock like our Christian school had. didn't look like that was going to happen. And so, uh, anyway, I don't know what I'd do with all my time, but I I just kind of hung out there for a while, and they let me. And uh, then at 10.30, we started the class, gave a little disclaimer. I think one guy left and uh, went to study hall. Everybody else was there, and then she gave the topic, divorce from remarriage. And here's where it got really interesting. Because immediately, hands went up all over the class. And for about the next 20 minutes, different ones shared. I remember the first one that shared talked about how his mom and dad had been divorced. And how difficult that had been. And uh, then somebody else, hey, this is what I think of divorce. Well, this is what I think of divorce and remarriage. And so, people, different ones are sharing. And yet, everything that they were sharing, you could put into one of two categories. They were either sharing their opinion about divorce and remarriage, or they're sharing their experiences. Remember one talked about some cousins that didn't live right around there, but some distance away, but the battles that they saw that had gone on in the home as a result of divorce in the home and so forth. And so for about 20 minutes they shared, but everything fit under one of those two categories, experiences or opinion. Then it was my turn. So I got up, and the first thing I did was uh, thank them for their openness and transparency of sharing. I said, really appreciate that. And then I said, now let me share with you what the Bible says. uh, First of all, about the Bible. And I use that 2 Timothy 3.16. That Scripture was written by men, but inspired by God. God inspired those men what to write. And so we have to look at the Scripture and see, what does it say? And so then we looked at a couple of passages of Scripture having to do with divorce and remarriage. And we had a little bit more interaction. And they were very, very gracious. And, and even afterwards, a few of them came up. And we talked for a few minutes before the next class uh, began. But here's the point of my illustration. I got in my car afterwards. And I'm driving back to the church where my office was. And I'm thinking, now. You know, they were nice kids. Good group of students. But let me... You know if that topic came up in our youth sunday school or even with adults would we just share our opinion would we just share our experiences or experiences that we've seen others go through or would we say well here's what the bible says and hopefully that's what we would be doing Because, see, we have a different authority. And we often hear that God's Word is our final authority, right? And it is. But has it been my final authority in making the choices and decisions that I've been making this past week or this past month or even maybe as I'm facing some situations right now and how should I handle these Oh, folks, we'll talk a little more about relationships tonight. It seems like everywhere I go. I was just mentioning the pastor uh, the other day. And, well, A couple of us were out, the staff were, uh, were out for lunch before the uh, in-service. And I was just mentioning, it just seems like relationship problems. And I was reading this book. And it's an excellent book called The Thriving Church. And Dean Taylor, who wrote the book, uh, he says in there, What's more important? Is it Doctrine? Are relationships. And he goes on in the first paragraph talking about doctrine is the most important thing we do. And that's true. Because the book's kind of written to pastors and leaders in churches. And that's true. Doctrine is the most important thing we do. But in the next paragraph he says, but relationships come a close second. And it just seems like everywhere I go relationship problems. And you know what? You can relate a lot of them back to where, hey, we want to be in control. We want my way. We want to, you know, my way in a situation. Everything's great at home, as long as I get my way, right? But we don't always get our way, do we? And so, how do we handle those situations? That brings me to the next point here. A third distinctive that we have different attitudes and actions. See, we saw, first of all, Present yourself as a living sacrifice. That's a different goal. Secondly, renew your mind. That's a different authority. The third one, now put in those quotation marks, the word transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So important that we consider that. See, what are we talking about here? See, it's pleasing God versus pleasing self. First John 5 says, If you love me, you're going to keep... My commandments, for my commandments are not grievous. In other words, will I respond to situations that come up by my natural instinct? Or my reacting to those situations naturally? Or am I going to respond by commands or principles of Scripture? Wow. That's a big question to ask different attitudes and actions you ever see someone watch them be transformed we've seen it It, life gets pretty exciting when there's a new convert and you just see them changing i remember this guy and i'll say it quickly here uh because i don't have much time but i remember a, a guy years ago in fact their children were in our school and his husband and wife, nice couple. They had two teenagers. They lived way out in the country, about 45 minutes uh, from our school, but they wanted their kids in a Christian school, so they brought them into the Christian school and then finally they got to a point where they could even drive in themselves. They were very athletic, so they were involved in games and everything. And I'd see the parents, mainly the mom. The dad worked nights, so I didn't get to see him as much. But she was telling me how her and the children really wanted to change churches and come to our church the kids wanted them to be in our youth group and she said we go to this little church in the country and you know they're nice folks but it really don't preach the gospel but yet my husband has to drive a long way to work every day and so he's you know he just wants to stay close at home on Sunday and we just started praying about that and sure enough one Sunday morning a few months later uh, here's my couples class that I'm teaching and here comes this couple walking in which meant their kids were going to be in our youth group. And I thought, wow, Rick and Kelly are visiting here today. And so uh, they started attending regularly every Sunday. And always at the beginning of class, we'd have, hey, anybody have a testimony, a blessing this week, or anybody have a prayer request? We'd take a few of those before we got into the Word of God that morning. And uh, they'd never share. They were just a part of it and listening. And then finally, one Sunday morning, when I asked for a blessing or a prayer request, this Rick, this guy, and he was just kind of a country guy. He's from Alabama, but he was living out in the country. And here he is, and he, he would kind of talk like, Pastor Williams. So he raised his hand, he said, Pastor Williams, I got a prayer request. He said, you know, I, live at, I work in this lumber yard, you know what I mean? There's not a bunch of Sunday school teachers there, you know what I mean, Pastor Williams? That's kind of the way he talked. And so he starts talking about how, pretty rough place, but he was delivering lumber and this young man who had just started work was delivering lumber with him. And he started asking, this young man started asking about the Bible and about church. And he said, Pastor Williams, I really need you guys to pray for me because I I never really talked to anybody about the Bible before. You know what I mean? See, I've been a Christian a long time. And so we started praying for him. Next week we come into class. Pastor Williams, I got a prayer request. Yeah, we're going to get to that, Rick. And he said, you know, I live working his lumber yard. You know what I mean? I just, you know, he started going through the hole. He said, but remember that guy I told you about last week? He said, guess what, Pastor William? He said he got saved this week. But he said, I got another prayer request. He said, Pastor William, I know I need to follow up and disciple, but I don't know what that means. How do, how do I do that? Will you guys pray for me? We'll pray for you, Rick. I mean, it started Come every Sunday. He'd have a blessing or a prayer request. Remember, he came in there one Sunday. He said, the Williams, you know, I'm working at that lumberyard. Yeah, yeah, we know. And uh, he said, the other day, remember that guy that got saved? He said, he came to me. He said, Rick, we got to do something. Boss has got his head on his desk and he's crying. And so we went back in the boss's office and he said, can we help you? He said, my boss said, my wife just called me and said she's leaving me. He said, Pastor Williams, I didn't know what to do, but I thought, we better pray. And so me and the young guy, the young Christian, prayed right there for my boss. And he said, when we finished praying, he said, there's windows all around boss's office, and everybody's looking in the window watching us pray. He said, Pastor Williams, I know what we need to do, but I need you guys to pray for me. We need to start Bible study. They started this Bible study and it went on and on you know what was happening my class was growing now I don't know if they were coming to hear Rick or if they were coming to hear me but anyway it was really growing and we were having a great time because Rick Stanley was transformed right in front of us because of God's Word you know what as years passed his kids wanted to go on a missions trip and he was a little fearful about them going to Mexico on a missions trip and I got this idea Rick how would you like to drive a bus to Mexico? And he and his wife went too. And before it was all over, they ended up heading up all the mission trips at our church. By the way, Rick died a year ago, a lot younger than me, but he died. But what I'm saying, transformed. See, different attitudes and action. That's what I saw in Rick's life. Real quickly, how do we know if we love him? If we obey his commands. That's what First John, last one here. A different way of handling problems. Do we have a different goal, authority, attitude, and action, different way of handling my see it's God's way versus my way. Proverbs 1620 says, He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good. Whoso trusts in the Lord, happy is he. God's way is the truly happy way. Proverbs 13, 15. Obedience, really what it's saying is obedience brings blessings. Disobedience brings conflict. Now in closing this morning, there's something that I have for you. I have what's called life principles for a winning life. I gave you life principle number one this morning. And here's a listing of five passages of Scripture that have to do with that. There's many more in Scripture, but these are five great passages that you can focus on as an individual, as a couple. I'm not talking about changing from your own Bible reading what you already do. But as a family or as a couple or even as an individual, to be able to take this passage and meditate on it for maybe a week or two read it just that read that passage once a day even besides others be more aggressive with god's plan and what should this look like maybe at the dinner table talk about hey how can we trust in the lord proverbs 3 that's the first one romans 12 by the way that's chapter 5 and then there's uh the second life principle number two that we're going to cover tonight by the way Tonight, So I have this for you. It's out on the table. I've got some other books out there. Uh, And I've actually put the three life principles together in what's called a a focus pack. I'll mention more about, or a foundation pack, rather. I'll mention more about that this evening. But tonight, here's what we're going to do. For every family here, we sent a copy of the, the first book of the three. It's life principle number one. Let your purpose prioritize your life. The book's called Focus on Winning in Life. And about three years ago, I wrote uh, on these five passages of Scripture. Now, this morning, you have those listed, and you can pick up one of those this morning. But if you're back tonight, every family that comes tonight, every household that's here tonight, we should have a copy of this for you, or we'll give you a copy of this. If you want all three life principles in the booklets, you can purchase those everything out there is ten dollars and the prices are really they're worth normally about twenty to twenty uh two dollars i've got a book on biblical grandparenting that a friend of mine wrote that last time i saw that on amazon was thirty two dollars ten dollars everything we have is is ten dollars we don't make money on them it just goes to the to the ministry but this morning you can pick up this i'd like for everyone to get one got some bookmarks out there that talk about how we need to live more biblically See, as we talk about having a biblical worldview, folks, we need to be more aggressive with letting our purpose as a believer, because of these four distinctions that we have, to be more aggressive with that with our life. With that, I'll turn it over to Pastor uh, to close the service. Great being with you. Look forward
0: to being with you again.